Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Dale and Rachel McBroom uh, for that and uh, so we're thankful amen Matthew chapter number 5 starting with verse 1 the Bible says and seeing the multitudes he went up into a mountain speaking of Jesus this is and when he was set his disciples come, come unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying and then for the next several, several verses, if you have a red letter edition Bible, red letters are just going and going for, you know, a chapter, another chapter, another chapter till it finally comes to a place that he ended those sayings and they were astonished at his doctrine because he had taught them as one having authority. And then chapter number 8, verse number 1 states this. Speaking of Jesus again. And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. I've touched on this concept, I believe, in a sermon of times past, but I want to revisit this particular aspect of it just a little more closely, perhaps tonight. That is to look at these variations of things that happen on the mountain, but understanding that there are times out of necessity, vital importance, that we got to come down the mountain. As, as awe-inspiring and wonderful and blissful that the mountain experience affords us, it is not a place that we can live. There are times along the way we got to come down the mountain. And tonight I want to minister simply that. Come down. Come down. Lord, I love you, Jesus, tonight. You have been so kind to me, Lord, in the years of my life upon this earth. You've been kind to me as a young man, Lord, in ministry from 12 years until now. God, and I appreciate that. God, I appreciate, Lord, the love you have put in my heart, God, for your word. God, I'm appreciative of that tonight. I pray, Lord, that you're able to cause, Lord, whatever you would have, God, upon my heart and mind tonight to be able to be shared, God, in this place. God, and echoed, Lord, in our lives and our hearts, God, that we could receive something from this. I don't want to just stand up here, Lord, and speak words into the wind as the apostle said it felt as though he was beating the wind God I want to make contact I want to make contact with something and hopefully God your people can make contact contact as well the lovely name of Jesus Christ I pray amen and the church say amen amen come down come down come down on more than one time or measure, we have all, and you may be seated, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I figured you'd seat yourself if I didn't say it. 
that we speak of these times in life called mountaintop experiences. There is such a glory and a bliss with it, and I, I, I can't say that I ever uh, climbed a mountain per se in the way that people talk about climbing mountains, a literal mountain. Uh, yeah, I've been to Rock City, and I've stood up there and said seven different states, you know, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, and I remember actually as a young boy graduating from college, my wife, my now wife, I should say, not that I had a wife before her, but uh, my now wife and I, just for clarification, people do weird things. Whenever she was going to the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga, we had this big idea and dream how, how great it would be if someday we'd go, go to the same university. And I applied for a scholarship and such down uh, at the University of Chattanooga and some, among some of their extracurricular activities that you could participate in. There were several, of course, with any university that you could be involved in. But being where they were strategically located in Chattanooga uh, was the possibility of being a rock uh, repeller. You could repel and become a, a rock climber. It was a class. It was something you could do. And I thought, man, if I go to college down there, I'm going to sign me up. I think I'd be interested, you know, in something like that. Climb, climb a rock or, or a mountain at that. That would just be great. But as it came to be, uh, I didn't get the scholarship by no means that she uh, got uh, from Chattanooga. And they didn't even offer me one. But uh, nevertheless... Uh, I thought always that would just be wonderful, but I've never been in that place. I don't know if anybody sitting among us tonight has been in that place that they are some mountaineers among us that I don't know about this evening. Maybe that's your best kept secret uh, of, of scaling some great, great mountain. Uh, but I have been in locations, you know, along the Blue Ridge Parkway uh, through North Carolina and Virginia and some of those places and those lookouts, Mike, I mean, they just take your breath away. Uh, to be able to get up there and just see ridges for miles and miles. And I've been in locations in our travels where uh, we were going up elevations to get to churches uh, where we were preaching at, and it was snowing as we went up, and as we came back down, it stopped snowing. It was just because of an elevation thing. And so there's just the wonder uh, that's with all of those. And that's great. And I have friends, of course, uh, that live in different portions of the United States, uh, particularly those that are in Florida. You know, how it is in life is that if you live along the beach, you, 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 you desire something else besides a beach. All right? Uh, you desire the mountains or you live among the mountains you desire the beach or if you live in uh, southern Illinois where it's all flat you just desire a hill you know you just desire something outside of corn and beans but nevertheless there's people I know from Florida they they do vacationing in in northern Georgia and they go there for a time of repose and peace and relaxation uh, to go just get away in the mountains and that's, that's a great place to visit, but it's not a place that they, they even wish or desire to live. And I would dare to say anybody that takes in the scenery and has the exhilaration of even climbing a mountain, uh, and there have been many that have that you can read accounts of, that whenever they get to the top and they take all of that in, uh, somewhere along the line, they have to make the descent just as much as the exhilaration is involved and the energy and the effort involved to make the ascent, there is the same type of energy and effort that has to be involved in order to make the descent. As a matter of fact, from my understanding, perhaps one of the most famed peaks uh, in our world that people have been climbing for eons of time, and that is Mount Everest, standing at 
over 29,000 feet in the air above sea level. And from my understanding, there is a certain place along Mount Everest, I think it's somewhere beyond the 26,000 foot zone, that is called the death zone. The death zone. Because as you go up in elevation along a mountain, the way that most people describe it is this, is that you, you have less oxygen to breathe as you go higher up. They say, as a matter of fact, on the peak of Mount Everest, some say it like this, is that there's a third of the oxygen there to breathe as you go further up. And so then our, our blood doesn't operate as well. Our vitals inside of us don't operate or function as well. And so it's a death zone. As a matter of fact, there was one man, and I believe he was in his, in his 80s by all means. There have been some old people that scaled some mountains, folks. He was in his 80s. I'm not even going to begin to pronounce his name. I'll just give this Brother Mason. He can interpret that for me later. Uh, but that's what his name is. But nevertheless, he was an 80-year-old <laughs> year mountaineer. Amen. One of the oldest people in the world uh, to climb Mount Everest. And he almost died. There's been several people that have died on their ascent or trying to take Mount Everest. As a matter of fact, from my understanding, I did a little research this afternoon uh, concerning Everest, and there have been as many as 248 people that have died on Mount Everest from 1924 to 2013, and almost all of them are still dead there on the mountain. This 80-year-old man, though, he, he, he was almost at the point of death. But listen to me tonight, folks. His death was not in his ascent. He almost died in his descending down the mountain. Because whenever he was at the top, taking in that awesome view, the exhilaration of the adrenaline that was probably pumping somewhat through his body because at a very high elevation... He's up there, and most people, there's very few that go in the death zone without an oxygen pack, but there are some that do. That as he was on the top of that peak, he removed his oxygen mask just for a few moments, for a few pictures, without any oxygen mask upon him, standing there upon that peak. This was not his first time having experienced this. This was not his first time of having climbed this mountain. He and his son were doing it now together, but it was not his first time. But he was up there, got some pictures done, had the oxygen mask off, taken in, enjoying the view, but he suffered on the way down because as human beings, we are not made to live on the top of our mountains. And there's a reason why that we're not made to live on the top of our mountains. We say it's less oxygen. But scientifically, it is really this, and I'm not going to draw on a chart, but I think I use plain enough language to explain. As you go up in elevation, the amount of pressure decreases. So it's not really... They say the, the amount of oxygen that's concentrated in the air at sea level is the exact same amount of oxygen that's in the air on the top of Mount Everest. The real culprit is the pressure. 
Whenever you breathe in, the pressure isn't there to push that oxygen into your lungs. And so when you're on the mountain without pressure, without the pressure that you're used to having around you, we reach mountaintops and everything's well. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. No trouble right now. No problems right now. Nothing rearing its head right now. It's in those moments that really our bodies will start to shut down without the pressure that we would have at the normal level. There is something I believe to the Apostle Paul whenever he spoke that he gloried in tribulation and in heartache and in distress and perplexions and all these different things because I think Paul had an understanding I can't live on the mountaintop experiences in my life. I got to come down and it is important for me to have the pressure. It's important for me to have, I know I'm a little allegorical here tonight, but it's important for me to have the pressure in my life or I wouldn't be able to live life as I know it. The Bible, Jesus spoke to his disciples. He said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. One may say, you're going to have some pressure. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. The apostle Paul said, he said, through much tribulation or trouble or pressure, you'll enter into the kingdom of God. I love it whenever the pressure's not there. But folks, the reality of the fact is this. You and I cannot live in that mode or live in that place. You need pressure. You need trouble. You need tribulation in your life to really function like you need to function as a child of God. He almost lost his life in the descent because he was saying, hey, let me take some moment here. Let's take this off and see if I can live in the moment of my mountaintop experience. All throughout the scripture, particularly in the book of Exodus, we see, we see that Moses has times that he is ascending and descending the mount of God. Mount Sinai that they had been called out to. He, he, you see it. You read it. You start somewhere around Exodus 16 and 19 and 24. Moses is ascending them. God is calling him up. But then you see Moses came down. And while Moses was on the mountaintop, he had at least two little furloughs up there that were 40 days apiece. And so he had some time that he was up there for 40 days. But he couldn't live his life on Mount Sinai he was up there and while he was up there God gave him the Ten Commandments and God gave him the pattern to the tabernacle in the wilderness man these are grand wonderful things and while he was up there he was taught what was proper and right concerning the offerings that you would bring into the there was a lot of teaching that took place on his mountaintop experience but he could not live there what I want you to understand tonight whenever Jesus came to the mountain that I spoke of Matthew chapter number 5 whenever he went up on that particular mountain the sermon on the mount whatever that particular mount was as he was there the disciples came and for several chapters the way that we look at it now several verses I don't know how much time elapsed but Christ was teaching 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 
ministering to the disciples and those that were there on the mountain. And that's grand, and that's wonderful. We receive a lot of our lessons on mountaintop experiences. We have some of the greatest encounters, if you will, of the thrill and the brilliance of the majesty and the presence of God on our mountaintop experiences. But here is the, 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 the very where the rubber meets the road. He had to come down. The disciples had to come down. The, the, the multitudes had to come down because it would have been one thing for them to be taught on the mountain and not be able to implement at the base of the mountain. you got to come down from a mountaintop every once in a while so that what you learned on the mountain you can implement in your everyday life. Amen. Moses goes up. He gets the commandments of God. What good would it have been if he lived there and never came down with the commandments to implement them? What good would have been a tabernacle and the pattern of it in the mind of Moses and God on the top of the mount? Oh, such a glorious thing. Had he not come down and implemented in the toolage and got the people involved in supervision in order to create what they needed for their everyday life. Mountaintop, I am not by no means shoving it aside, but I'm trying to, for us to realize we can't live there. We can't live there, but what we learn there, we must implement at the descent, at the base of the mountain. Someone say amen. The Bible speaks that we can come to a place, First Timothy, Second Timothy 3, 7, 2 Timothy 3, 7, that we're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're never able to come. Everybody say never. never. Able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth of what? The truth of what we've been taught. Someone listen. Never be able to come to the knowledge of the truth that we've been taught unless, unless we have a means of implementing what we have been taught and prove to ourselves in our own lives that it's true. Whenever you take the lesson and you apply the lesson, then you understand that the lesson was valid. The lesson was true. And it's through times of pressure, feeling the pressure. It's through times of proving in our everyday lives that teaches us and helps us apply the principles of what we may have been taught on the mountain. Amen. What, what brought the validity to the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses on the top of the mountain is how they worked down at the base of the mountain. Someone say amen. You say, well, it'd just be great to stay there. Let's consider what happens if we were all to stay on the mountain. Let's just consider for just a moment what would happen if leadership just stayed on the mountain. Because as he's up there, the people are questioning, is he ever going to come down? Yes, Are they, is he ever going to come down? And you know what they did to do? That's when they got the bright idea. Let's gather the gold. Let's make a golden calf. Let's have some worship right here. If you never come down, there is no way that the commands can be tried. That, that, that 
the implementation of a tabernacle can be tested. But if you come down from the mountain, you take the lessons you learned in that superior place and apply them right here on the old terra firma, right among common men and common women, and we can learn something from that. Amen. We take those principles, and whenever I take those principles and I see that they apply to my everyday life, I'm convinced at that point in time. I'm convinced by the knowledge that I obtained from that scenario that that truth is truth. I'm not just learning, but I am applying what I have learned. And so Moses goes up and he comes down. He goes up and he comes down. But what he learned on top of the mountain, amen, he implemented down at the base of the mountain. Uh, he, the Ten Commandments got broke the first time. He had to go back up and get another set. But whenever he came down, he started setting things in order according to his mountaintop experience with God. Amen. Someone say amen. And so there are some times in life that we must come down. Someone say come down. We must come down. In Luke 19.5, and I understand that this man that is named Zacchaeus isn't in a mountain, he's in a tree but he's in an elevated place and he's wanting to see Jesus. He's wanting to experience Jesus. And the Bible says in Luke 19, 5, he has, he has, he's went to that place. He's found himself, uh, the sycamore tree, has climbed up in it to get a look. His stature is somewhat uh, diminutive. It's short, if I could say, not to offend anybody, but he's short. And, and so he's getting a, a little higher elevated place. And the Bible says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Jesus saw Zacchaeus and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Zacchaeus saw the Lord, experienced the Lord from his elevated position. Again, I know it wasn't a mountain, but it was an elevated place to Zacchaeus. It might have seemed like a mountain to him. <laughs> oh, short britches. <laughs> it, it, it seemed great. It, and from that, from that position, he could see and experience the Lord to a certain measure, to a certain degree. But listen to me. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down because today I'm abiding at your house. Listen to me tonight, folks. The abiding presence of God is experienced when you come down and when you live in your everyday life. The spectacular might happen on the mountain, but the continuous abiding every day in, day out presence of God happens at the base of the mountain. Where the pressures are, where the heartache is, where the turmoil is in upheaval. That's not on the mountain. It's where the pressure is. That's where the continuous abiding presence of the Lord happens at the base. So we got to come down. Because if we don't, here's what we'll do. And this is, this is a very, this is a very, you don't want to get this wrong. If we don't do that, you know what we'll do? We'll get a mountain mentality and we'll regulate God's presence only to the mountain. The old song said, oh, I'm not going through the valley, I'm just skipping mountaintops. I don't know who wrote that. They need to be jack slapped. 
Because that's what's hurt the mentality of human beings that's in the mundane, walking, everyday part of life. They think the only place God's presence is, is on the mountain. God says, no, it's spectacular there. It's more probably than what you've ever experienced there. But my abiding, continuing, everyday presence is at the bottom. It's... God wants us to know it's not just the mountain where you experience His presence. You can always, you can experience an everyday presence at the... I don't want people... See, because we paint ourselves in those corners. It can't happen until I just got to ascend the mountain. Do you know... That, this is just kind of side. Do you know a permit for climbing Mount Everest right now is around $11,000 just for a permit? And they say by the time you have all the materials and the base camps and everything else, it can get up to every bit of seventy-nine dollars to $80,000 to go on an adventure to climb Mount Everest. So yeah, it, it costs... Let me tell you, it's going to cost you something to experience the spectacular, number one. But don't you ever think that you can't have his abiding presence at the base of the mountain. I can't live up there. I live right here. But though I live here, I'm not devoid of his presence. I'm not devoid of his comfort. I'm not devoid of his power. Yeah, there's like blips on a heart monitor that, man, it really goes up and I just... Wow, this is awesome taking this view of what God has. But I can't live there. This body cannot stand that. But one of these days I'll have a body that will. But until that comes, I'll come down when I got to come down. And I'll just be with the abiding presence of the Lord. See, if we don't come, we got to come down and allow that presence to manifest itself to us at the base of the mountain. Every day, mundane living can be enhanced with God moments. You hear me? Every day living, every mundane moment of life, it can be enhanced with God moments where the pressure is. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. They say that most, most, most of the deaths that ever even happened on Everest happened on their way down. A lady climber who had led American Women's Everest Expedition back in 2002, and they didn't reach the peak because of certain elements that they don't even go into. But you must understand, to even ascend Everest, it takes about two months to ascend because you can only go up so far because your body gets acclimated to that different pressure, and your body can adapt to that to a certain degree until you reach the death zone and there's no more adapting. The body cannot adapt any further. And so you got to make a slow progression. So it takes about a couple of months. And she said, you know what though? Most people die on their way back. And these were her words. She says, reaching, reaching the summit should never be the goal. She says, it's getting there and back. Mm-hmm. The goal shouldn't be the peak. It should be getting there and coming back here and implementing what you experience there in everyday life. It's not, well, the Ten Commandments, they're on the Mount of God. That's the only way it's possible. No, take what you received on the mountain, bring it down to the base of everyday life and implement it. Take the holy of holies of the pattern that's on the mountain, bring it down and implement it in everyday life. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm not saying I'm lessening the importance of the mountain, but I'm saying we can increase the value of everyday life if we'll properly incorporate what we learn, what we experience on the mountain when we're there. Oh, 
Someone say amen. I don't know if this is preaching. I don't know what it is, but I'm talking to you. Amen. So we need, we need these type of things. And again, I'm not here to, 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 to underemphasize the importance of mountains. We need those. But listen, listen very clearly. You can't just choose at any season of the year to go out and climb Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't just choose when you want to. Maybe that's better stated. You can't just choose when you want to to climb Mount Everest. As a matter of fact, from my understanding, there are only certain times of the year that Mount Everest is even open to have people climb it. They say that the jet stream, you've heard of that through your weather, all right, and we've been watching it. So the jet stream settles right on top of the peak of Mount Everest all year long. The wind can blow over 200 miles per hour. Temperatures can get as low as a negative 80 degrees Fahrenheit, all right? At mid-May, though, of each year, the jet stream moves a little bit northward, causing the winds to come down and the temperatures to warm up just a little bit. And there's, listen to me, there's a window of time where people can attempt to climb the summit. They call it the summit window. So you just can't go out anytime you want and scale to the peak. You got to take opportunity, advantage of the window of time. I was talking this last week. Uh, uh, Brother Aldridge called my dad. Well, dad was here. I involved myself in the conversation. And I spoke to Brother Aldridge for a little bit, and he said, he said Brother McGee, he said, I fear, he said, that we need to, uh, you know, make, make known or emphasize to our churches that there's a window of time for the church. When Jesus looked at Jerusalem and said, how oft I would have gathered thee as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but ye would not. The Bible says they miss the hour of their visitation because there are seasons, there are summit windows. There's, you can't just say I'm going to scale that mountain today. You can't just say you're going to go up there for 40 days like Moses. You've got to wait till God says come up. You've got to wait for the window of time. And you've got to make sure your gear's ready and all this is ready to go whenever it's time to go. Amen. But I want to take advantage of the window of time when it's there. But you know what that also means? It means I can't stay up there. There's going to come a time when the window closes that I've got to come back down to the earth. I've I got to come back down to the earth and i got to live right here upon the earth. And so I need to take advantage. The Bible in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to root up, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to gather together, a time to disperse. Basically, there's times and seasons for everything. But you're not going to go out right now and start planting, amen, some new landscape in the ground. Because I don't care how much you want to, go on and try and fail. The window of time is not there. So these spectacular God moments, God has a window of time. 
And we take advantage of, of when they're there. But when they're not there, we got to realize I'm here among the pressure. I'm here in everyday mundane life world. But God's abiding presence is just as much right here. I sense Him here. I don't want to. We'll curse our life and curse the living of our life and curse our living for God because we'll say there's not enough windows of time to scale the mountains. Listen, we're not in this life living for the mountains. We're in this life living in the mundane and the ritual and the same old, same old, but still sensing that God has His hand on the regulator and God has His hand on, on the center of the spinning of all things and God is in control. Oh, someone say hallelujah. I'm in preparation mode right now to be able to go to a very high elevated place. Amen. There's people that work for Mount Everest and they are guides and stuff and so they make a lot of sense and descents, a lot of sense and descents. Most of the people that do this and several who have been on the top of the mountain and been there without oxygen are people that were born in higher, higher elevations. People that are born in higher elevations have already been birthed with larger lung capacity because of being born in that environment. And so they can withstand more than you and I can that was born at this sea level because they were born in higher elevations. Whew. Mount Zion that Scripture speaks of concerned Jerusalem where the church was. Honey, I've been born at the elevation at Gibson General Hospital but I was born again at a different elevation I was born again at a different elevation where the church birthed me where I was birthed of the spirit I've had my own Mount Zion what does that mean God is enabling the spiritual side of Paul McGee to be able to sustain the elevation that he's going to take me to one of these days he made preparations by my new birth enabling me for a translation someday to be able to live where he lives I have episodes of that right now but one of these days it's going to be the mountain will be mine he'll be free of pressure he'll and there will be no more need to come down even remember I think it was the sermon that I birthed an aspect out of this from concerned whenever Jesus took his, his, his three innermost disciples up the Mount of Transfiguration they seen the Lord on a fashion they had never seen him before his garments are sparkling they're white almost like more so than what a fooler could even whiten them one described it was after he prayed he was transfigured and see there's a lesson being learned it's being taught to his disciples he prayed and then was transfigured meaning his transfigurement was greatly linked to his prayer and so there was a lesson being learned but when it was all said and done listen what's Peter saying I'll make you a tabernacle here and Moses and Elijah let's live here Peter it's not time for that right now you guys wouldn't be able to live here we got to go back down and the Bible says they came down the mountain there's something important I want you to see when they come down the mountain, here comes a demonic man that's possessed. 
that needs healed. Look, if you will, in Matthew number 8, whenever Christ comes down the mountain with all the followers and everything that they experienced after they had the teaching, after they had the teaching of everything that they had been taught, man, he was teaching on temptation. He was teaching on loving your enemies. He was teaching on prayer. He was teaching on fasting. Some of the things that he taught on up there, he was teaching on worry. He was teaching on them being the salt of the earth. All these different teachings. They come down the mountain. And here comes a leper that needs healed. He just taught them about prayer. But he now says, let me show you. You had the lesson there, but we got to come down in order to have the object lesson. And a leper comes to him. A centurion that has a man that's sick comes to him. All this happens. They didn't, this didn't happen on the mountain. This happened at the base of the mountain after they had come down. Peter's mother-in-law is healed. Another devil-possessed man healed. He calms the wind of the sea. After all of this, after they came down, not up there, but after they came down. Because when you come down, it's you implement what you was taught on the mountain. Someone say amen. Here's a difficulty then of living on the mountain concerning Old Testament times. Mountains where were the places pagan and heathenistic people placed their false gods. And to be on the mountain, staying on the mountain, is to open yourself up to the possibility of jumping tracks and doing that which was unthinkable on the mountain. And that is serving a false god. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 50 and verse 6, if you can put that up for me, hon. Jeremiah 15, verse 6, pardon the word of affection. But Jeremiah 15, verse 6, the Bible says, My people have been lost sheep, Jeremiah says. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. Look now, they have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. In other words, they've gone from mountain to mountain. They've never come down. They've forgotten their resting place. What were they doing going from mountain to mountain? They were sacrificing to idols. They had forgot the spectacular moment they had on the mountain and said, well, what else is up here? What else is going on around me? And so they did as the song, I guess, said. They didn't go through the valley. They skipped from mountain to mountain, but with the wrong intent, with the wrong desire. Amen. Because you can't live up there right now in this life. Judges 1 and verse 34, where there's the disbursement of the land and the children of Israel go into the land of Israel and they're all given their own disbursement of land and there are still some enemies that are there in the land. The Bible states this, that the Amorites, which was the enemy, forced the children of Dan into the mountain for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley. Amen. This was a very intelligent move for the Amorites. Sure, Dan, up there in the mountains, you may have a wonderful point of view. Amen. Wonderful point of view. But you're isolated. You're isolated even to a very great place, some may think. You're at a great place. Great place to visit. But it's a horrid place to live. Amen. The mountains, terrain, the atmosphere, it's difficult for you to live because you don't have the pressure up there like you need to have in order to sustain life. The next time problem walks in your doors, don't curse it. Because it's that pressure that's helping you live. It's that pressure that's keeping you saved. 
It's that pressure that's keeping uh, you, keeping God a part of your life. It's that pressure. If you'll stand with me tonight and I'll close. Come down. Come down. It's hard to reach the top. Some will. Some will experience other levels than others. It's nothing to be looking at another with a downcast eye because you've been at a higher elevation than they've been. Nothing, nothing to look down on another with a downcast eye because they couldn't reach the peak but they could climb up part of the slope. No. Because the real reality of everything that takes place in that moment is they reach the top but do they know how to descend? Have they learned the lesson on how to descend? I think it's amazing that most people don't lose their life in the ascent but it's whenever that experience is over and it starts coming back down it's not the struggle of getting there it's after having tasted success the old saying used to say success has ruined more people than failure ever has it's after getting a taste of that you can somehow get reacclimated to what's called Monday through Sunday 5 o'clock in the morning to maybe 5 o'clock at night lack of revenue more more that needs to be paid there's just the end of the month can't be stretched out far further enough down the road but understanding that we can try the principles of the lessons that we learn in the mountaintop experiences and come to a realization and the knowledge of the truth that he's faithful. He's faithful at the base. He's faithful at the top. He's afforded me a born-again experience that's preparing me for a time when I won't have to come down. But until then, when the window of opportunity affords it, I'm going to climb. But I'm going to have to come back down. But I'm going to climb. And I'm going to come back down. But what I receive in those moments are going to help me live in my everyday life. Just right here. You say, Pastor, don't climb. No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just realizing, understand this. You can't live there. You're going to have to come down sooner or later. Now, I, I hope this isn't coming across. I'm, this is not meant to be negativity. Uh, this is meant to be reality. I, and I'm probably, my wife would probably call me more of a realist than what I probably need to be. But I, that is who I am. I, I'm more of a realist. I, I, I take hard, fast things. And I, you know, I, now I could also talk about faith too. I've been down that route. But there are certain aspects of life. I'm a realist. The reality is, every day I live for the Lord is not a cup of ice cream with whipped cream and the cherry on top. Sometimes I'm scooping the melted ice cream out of the bottom of the boat. But it doesn't make him any less real. It doesn't make him any less real. It just means the window of time is not open right now for me to have the spectacular. But I got to live in the moment. I got to live where I'm at.
we bow our heads in this place. Father, I Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.